0: And I'm Jim Pullen. This is How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter.
1: Today is Tuesday, May 14th, 2013. Coming up, the science of health care. You have a chance to learn more about starting this Friday at CU's Gold Lab Symposium. Technology and thinking about life
2: just seemed sort of similar to me. So I chose people who think about problems in a human way, not a technical way.
0: We begin with a look at some of the recent news in science and a sound that's getting all too common now that the long grass is getting tall again.
1: Lawn mowers are still popular among people who like clipped green grass. But the average mower is not only noisy, it's high in pollution. Regulations are tightening on mowers and other small engine devices because they often spew out 100 to 1,000 times more emissions than automobiles over the same operating time. As a solution... A team of engineering students from the University of California at Riverside have created a device that attaches to a lawnmower and significantly cuts harmful emissions. The team says they were inspired by two of their fathers who work cutting lawns and driving a truck. The team says their device will work not only with lawnmowers but also snowblowers and other small engine devices. Their invention is six inches long. It consists of a filter a glass jar that holds two ounces of a urea solution that helps capture pollutants, and the original lawnmower muffler. The Knox Out device just won first place at the Consortium for Environmental Education and Technology Development competition in Las Cruces, New Mexico. The UC Riverside team hopes to make more of the devices for under $30 each and hopefully start a business with them. Maybe not in time for this year's lawn mowing, but soon.
0: New research from CU Boulder
1: adds to the growing
0: body of evidence that adapting to lean times can help a cell, and often an entire organism, live longer. CU Boulder professor Min Han said his research team was interested in how common cancer suppressor genes known as retinoblastoma 1 or RB behaved under conditions of starvation. The question is important, said Hahn, because it may help researchers understand why many cancer cells are more susceptible to starvation or fasting than ordinary cells. Hahn and his team studied a popular lab organism called C. elegans, a tiny roundworm that's smaller than an eyelash. Even though it's tiny, most of the genes in C. elegans are similar to those in human beings, and so how C. elegans works helps explain how humans work. The team began their work with newly hatched C. elegans, who they deprived of food while measuring their stress response. They discovered that retinoblastoma not only keeps cancer cells from dividing as fast, it promotes normal cells to work harder at staying well-repaired so that they don't divide as fast either. In this way, even in the absence of cancer, the cancer suppressor gene retinoblastoma helps C. elegans live a longer life. This research has been published online
1: at Cell Press. And congratulations to all CU Boulder scientists. The research university has just been ranked number 14 worldwide for scholarly impact of journal publications by the Center for Science and Technology Studies at Leiden University in the Netherlands. The Leiden ranking analyzed the 500 universities with the largest number of publications recording in Web of Science, a database of articles published in more than 12,000 journals. The impact of each university's publication was measured based on how frequently the publications were cited compared with other studies published in the same field and in the same year. Fourteenth in the world, that's pretty good, but there's room for more improvement. The top-ranked university in the 2013 Leiden ranking was the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Second through fifth places in the ranking went to The University of California, Santa Barbara, Stanford, Princeton, and Harvard.
0: You're tuned to How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter. I'm Jim Pullen. If you could be king and make the world a healthier place, what ideas would you decide to go after? Well, this Friday and Saturday, Boulder Health scientist and inventor Larry Gold gets to be that king at the annual Gold Lab Symposium. The free two-day event brings in experts on health and science to share their knowledge on cutting-edge topics, and they answer questions from the audience. Now, as king, Larry Gold gets to choose some experts just for the fun of it and others who are controversial. We've got the agenda here for the symposium, and Shelley Schlender spoke with Larry.
3: Larry Gold, we're looking at this agenda together, this Gold Lab Symposium agenda. When is this happening?
2: Friday and Saturday, May 17th and May 18th at uh, Munzinger Auditorium oh. on the CU campus in Boulder. Is it free? Uh, yes, it's always free.
3: You have people coming from around the United States.
2: And the world, not just the United States. We have a guy uh, from Nestle in uh, Lausanne, Switzerland, who's coming. Uh, That's a far way to come. And Matt Todd is coming from the University of Sydney.
3: Now, the topic is the biological and social evolution of health care and the Rube Goldberg and time. How do these tie together scientifically?
2: I'm actually going to talk about that in my introductory remarks at 8.30 on Friday morning. There are two things, really. The first is that in order to improve health care, I have finally understood, took me a long time uh, to really understand it, that technology fixes are necessary but not sufficient. And what is also in this equation is... Let's call it sociology and politics.
3: So as a scientist, you say science is really not enough.
2: Uh, I say that with 100% certainty that when you're trying to talk about changing things at scale as opposed to something in your kitchen, a scientific invention is just the beginning. I mean, it, it, as an example of that Our company, which is not what you asked about, our company, Summologic in uh, Boulder, we've spent 13 years improving a technology, and we've gotten the technology ready. And at every board meeting and every senior management team meeting we have, we realize we have another 13 years to get this stuff into maximum value for people.
3: As a brief summary, your company is looking at ways to use hundreds and thousands of different protein markers in the body to help diagnose health and disease.
2: And, and to give physicians and patients actionable steps.
3: Sounds like it takes patience if it's going to be another 13 years before you have products out there.
2: No, no, we'll have products uh, actually by the end of this year. We have one product now. We'll have real products by the end of this year. But having a product and penetrating at scale into a big system is tough And that involves thinking about, back to your question, why this funny title, that involves thinking about not only biology and technology, but also about the systems that help things penetrate or sometimes are uh, adverse to that.
3: In your Gold Lab Symposium this year, the major topics are drugs and vaccines, drugs and diagnostics, drugs, nutrition, and magic. There's a word that I've said three times now.
2: Uh, drugs you've said drugs three times yeah well you're right that three of the four sections of this thing you know friday morning friday afternoon saturday morning saturday night have the word drugs in it and drugs are really a result of the technology of health care better drugs for things and you have it's it's necessary but again not sufficient think of you know but where would we be today without drugs for HIV? We'd be really in bad shape.
3: Many of your speakers, in fact, are experts on HIV and AIDS, and you've chosen some people who are doing a great deal of work on third world diseases for this symposium, where some of the most challenging needs are.
2: I'm a human being. I care about those things.
3: So those people will be here, and that's one example of what the agenda will talk about, drugs and vaccines, drugs and diagnostics, but. That word, drugs, is standing up.
2: The title for Saturday morning is just thrilling for the session. Drugs, Nutrition, and Magic. Can I tell you about that?
3: Yes, it, no, although no. I can't help but wonder, drugs, nutrition, and magic. Sometimes drugs are used as if they're magic and they're not.
2: Yeah, no, that's not why I put the word magic, and this is much better. The, the um, <clears throat> So, you know, I, I get to do what I want with this thing, and and, and so I'm always looking for people who will have an odd way into your brain and I found by reading an article um, in the New Yorker I came across Susanna Martinez-Condy and Ste- Stephen Macknick, a married couple from uh, Arizona and they're in this article as neurobiologists and doing functional MRI you know, kind of real science and they study people who do magic.
3: That's right. They look at cup tricks where you put a ball underneath a cup Many and things. say, "Where, where is it now? And voila, it's in the one that you didn't expect.
2: You know about them. Well, they're, they're very, very interesting. Very interesting. And I've seen videos of work they've done with magicians after I read the article in The New Yorker, and I just fell in love with them. And so, um, so I invited them because it's a kind of a way of getting into thinking about how your brain works, not as a, you know, how does a neuron fire, but rather as a kind of holistic thing. And these guys are wonderful. And I I considered when I was inviting them, I'm so happy they're coming, I thought, gee, maybe I ought to go for Penn Jillette instead because Penn Jillette is also fascinating, and he's in many of their videos. He's the magician. He's the magician, yeah, Penn and Teller, you know, the big guy with with an IQ of about 180 as far as I can tell. So that's gonna be a great a great session.
3: Well, how about it? Does slate of hand, which is magicianship, apply to things like how we look at drugs and how we look at nutrition today? Or did you put this together as a scientist in a way to remind us that sometimes our policies and sometimes our social side fools us about where the best ways are to go?
2: I did think of that. I do think of that, I think you're right. I do a lot of reading about another kind of magic, the placebo effect, I consider to be one of the more interesting pieces of magic in the world. Last year, we talked about an extraordinary experiment done at Harvard, Harvard, in which for inflammatory bowel disease, there was a clinical trial in which a physician talked, did talk therapy to the patients, or did talk therapy, and then said, and now I'm going to give you a pill. So the group was, you know, half and half. And the pill is a sugar pill. It's a placebo. It will do nothing. But we want to see if taking this pill helps you. And the results of this test for inflammatory bowel disease were that the placebo group did much better.
3: Even though they knew it was they simply... They knew it
2: was a placebo, even though they knew it was a... It's a remarkable... is you think that's remarkable.
3: Did they study the cortisol levels of the people who did better and their hormones to see if it was a physiological effect that played all the way through their system for reducing inflammation? No. Those Harvard people, they could do a little bit more, couldn't they?
2: Well, I, I think, I think that at this stage of the game, the placebo effect, magic... They're all in the place where you're not quite sure what biochemistry to do.
3: But your instinct as a scientist is that somehow whatever health care we choose, we have to tap into our hopes and our dreams and our sense of reaching for something that helps us feel safer and better.
2: And at lower cost.
3: And at lower cost. You know, some of what you have here for this Gold Lab Symposium that's happening this Friday is going to be very controversial. For instance, having Nestle. Someone from Nestle, Emmanuel Beghi, Vice President and Head of Nestle Institute of Health Sciences. Expanding the frontiers of nutrition, we're talking about Nestle, yep. the group that has made infant formula. Not in a good way sometimes. The group that gives us a lot of candy.
2: They also give us espresso. Last year, Nestle sold $10 billion worth of espresso.
3: Not exactly a health food, and I, yet here I, they are. I was making
2: a joke. Keep going, I, because I have lots to say about Ed and why I invited him. Go, keep going.
3: Well, and so here you have a company where they make their profit, they make their bucks by figuring out ways to make processed foods, and they aren't exactly who you would pick as the group that has improved the nutrition of the world.
2: I hear that. Um, I know Ed pretty well. He's a great scientist. And he runs what is, for Nestle, a billion-dollar, 10-year approach to an enormous human problem. And I believe that Nestle has approached this with the highest level of morality and ethics. Here's the problem. No matter how much we all read The Omnivore's Dilemma and love the notion of elitist food, it's not possible in a world of 7 billion people to figure out a way to feed people with fish, pigs, cows, chickens, whatever your protein source is going to be.
3: You mean that in the United States we've eat too much protein, and in most of the world, they struggle to get have, barely to enough.
2: have any. That's right. So the problem of feeding the world is gigantic. And I believe, remember, I don't, I don't know anything. I, I, I loved listening to Ed when I met him. Um, <clears throat> my belief is that Nestle and a couple of other companies uh, in the world have taken a shot at a big problem. How do you figure out what People need nutritionally, whether it's proteins or other molecules, vitamins, whatever it is. And how do you make a sustainable diet for a world that's crowded and that is running out of edible proteins for a lot of reasons? You know, the oceans are getting contaminated, all that stuff. So I see the Nestle problem to be a thing that I know – the Gates Foundation thinks about. So you don't think of the Gates Foundation as Nestle and you don't worry about the Gates Foundation and infant formula and they're in this in a funny way together. So I'm a believer that it's hard to find anybody that will invest a billion dollars. It's for the for-profit motive. We're not disagreeing. I mean, I can see you smiling because you're so smart. Um, the, uh, but they're, 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 they are doing something that I commend and we'll see what he says. Okay.
3: We'll see what he says and in fact you allow questions from the audience. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so if someone comes to the audience who is a big fan of making homemade kimchi and raising their own pork for slaughter, mm-hmm. they can ask some hard questions of Nestle.
2: I agree with that. And 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 again I go back to the Omnivers dilemma the Michael Pollan book which I read very carefully. It is an elite it is a call for elitism of a kind that I think you can't do. In a world of 7 billion people.
3: And here will be your chance if you want to go and debate somebody or ask a few questions that are pointed questions. You can. Of course. Also in that session on drugs, nutrition, and magic, you have Stanley Field, Field. clinical endocrinologist who has a blog post where he is very down on the Obama health care policy, very down.
2: He's a very smart guy, and he's got an idea about how to improve health care. You know, you have to listen to all these ideas, and we'll see what he says. And he's really he's into this in a big way.
3: And he is down on Obama plans health care.
2: I, I have nothing to say about that. I mean, I, in any country that I want to live in, the length of time it would have taken our House and Senate – to approve a bill that gave universal health care to all American citizens and eliminated the conditions about prior diseases should have taken 14 seconds instead of the two years it took. So I like the fact that the health care bill passed. And for sure, it's not perfect. I mean, it can't be. And so, you know, this is a process. It's going to take another 100 years. It's what – why the this, this symposium is about social evolution of health care. You can't get there in a democracy quickly unless you decide to, to be a king. We don't have kings.
3: No kings, but you get to be king of this conference because Yay. you get to choose everyone. I do. Now, the last part of this conference on Saturday after lunch is more lighthearted. It's about topics such as spiritual aspects of health and dying.
2: Uh, light-hearted is a funny word, Shelley. Uh, for me, so I think it's all light-hearted. So I, technology and and uh, and thinking about life just seems sort of similar to me. So, but you're right. I I chose people who think about problems in a human way, not a technical way. If we're looking at the schedule together. So let me tell you the first one because I just just think so. Last year, my friend David Lawrence, who you'll notice is the moderator for the last session, David is the former CEO and chairman of the board of Kaiser Permanente.
3: That's right. David Lawrence started that whole movement right. of Kaiser.
2: Yeah, he built it. I mean, So he's been 11 years now since he was the CEO and chair, of, and he did that for 10 years. And he's a very, very close friend. And he called me up and he said, hey, Larry, did you read Travels with Epicurus? And I said, huh? And he called me up. He said, you ought to read it. He said, it's an unbelievable book. So I bought the book, and it was one of the best books I read last year. It, was,
3: it It's a book about someone who goes back to Greece, and they start talking with people to see what makes you live a long and healthy life, and it was not your standard technical answers. That's
2: right. It was a smelling the roses as a way to have a better life book. And so there are lots of those books. This book touched my heart, so I then read everything he wrote because he's very funny. He used to write for Lily Tomlin, this guy Daniel Klein. You know his book is about well, you know the Greeks they, they kind of take it easy they sit around you you know they play some cards and and uh, and then in the, in the book, the book starts with him trying to decide whether or not to get his teeth fixed. He's a 73-year-old guy, and he starts by saying, "He you know, he goes to the dentist. He's not going to be covered. It's going to cost thousands of dollars. He looks in the mirror. He realizes he doesn't care. And he says, instead of spending a few thousand dollars on my teeth, I'm going to go back to this Greek island I went to when I was 20,
3: and I'm just going to hang around. Well, that's right. And in, in there he says old guys like me don't need their teeth it It, makes them have kind of adorable smiles
2: yeah he does say that he's just a a wonderful wonderful so i i read the books i read you know that's what i do when i get ready for this thing i just read and read and read and wonder how it fits so i called him at his home in great bearing i couldn't find an email address i called him up in his home and i apologized hi my name is larry gold i'm sorry to bother you and uh He says, bothering me, he says, bother me, I'm not doing nothing, he says, (laughs) with this heavy accent. And then I've seen videos of him, he's hilarious. But but he's so deep, and he really understands all this philosophy stuff, and so I thought it'd be important. And Diane, who I've known for 40 years, was the president of Wellesley, Diane Chapman Walsh. And she's tried to think about kind of how educators help make citizens that can – deal with this stuff, and she's going to give a talk about that, and she's really an important person. And then we got a guy from Colorado, this guy, Ian Billick, um, who deals with complexity, and he, he lives at the Rocky Mountain Station near near Gunnison, right?
3: That's, that's right. It's up near Crested Butte. It's going to have the most amazing wildflowers of any place in yeah. the state. See, it's true. an idyllic but rough environment, and they're doing great studies about climate change there.
2: That's right. And then I decided... Again, from reading my my spare time reading, I read a whole issue of Daedalus dedicated to um, energy and climate policy, all put together by this Harvard professor who I didn't know, Stephen uh, Ansola Bearer. and I invited him to come to kind of talk about, again, the lessons of lots of vested interests, lots of confusion about how do you do things, how do you deal with the social and political aspects, not just the scientific aspects. And I, I think this will be a wonderful concluding thing to the symposium.
0: Larry Gold is CEO of the Boulder biotech research company Somalogic. His Gold Lab Symposium takes place this Friday and Saturday on the CU Boulder campus in Munzinger Auditorium. Thanks to Shelly Schlender for that story.
1: Uh, that's all for this edition of How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter. This show is produced and engineered by Shelley Schlender. I'm this quarter's executive producer.
0: Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler, and additional music was from
1: Strip Steve. Can't listen to How on Earth at our regular time? Just go to howonearthradio.org and subscribe to our podcast using the iTunes button. Questions
0: or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Jim Pullen.
1: And I'm Joel Parker.